What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge Sunday morning online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. It's the day after Christmas. We hope you had a wonderful week. We hope you had great holidays. We hope that you're resting today and joining us wherever you are online. For those of you that continue to give and you continue with your generosity, thank you so much for doing that. Our next food pantry is the second week of January. We expect to feed a ton of people with Miss Kelly and her team. And so, man, your generosity helps us love more people, help more people, serve more people, and feed more people. So thank you so much. For those of you that continue to share these links, these online services with your friends and family, we hope it helps them. We hope it helps you out too. Today, we finally finish up with our series, our holiday series called Light It Up. Now, we just survived 2021. We're about to go in 2022. And I don't know about you, but this year went by really, really fast. And so today, I want to give you one final challenge as we end this year and we start a brand new year. Now, most of us in here today probably know the most popular verse in the scripture, and we know that is John 3.16, and it starts off like this, for God so loved the world. And so naturally, if we follow Jesus and God so loved the world so much that he was generous to the fact that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him and what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection, we would not perish, but have everlasting life. For those of us that know Jesus and follow Jesus, if God so loved the world, then we have to understand naturally God calls his children and his followers and his disciples to bring compassion to the world if God loves the world. If God so loves the world and if this is how he loved the world, then he calls you and I as his followers, as his sons and daughters to bring love and to bring kindness and to bring hope and to bring light to this world. Jesus even said this in the gospel of John chapter 17. Notice these verses, verses 15 and 16. Jesus says, I'm not asking you, he's praying to the father. I'm not asking you to take my disciples out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So in this chapter, Jesus is praying to the Father for his disciples and all of his future disciples, which would be you and I, praying for his current disciples and then his future disciples. And in this prayer, he says that he does not want you and I out of this world, but that we're protected from the evil one while we're in this world. But while we're in this world, we're different from this world, so this world can have a curiosity about our faith and about Jesus Christ. Our life, as we follow Jesus, even though we're in the world, should be a little bit different to the world and peculiar to the world and strange to the world. But what does that mean for you and I to be different and peculiar from this world? I heard about that my entire life growing up in church, that as Christians, that we're not worldly and we're not like this world, and we try to be holy and godly. But what what does that mean? Well, first, let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean that our life is more valuable than those who don't follow Jesus. It does not mean that our life is more important, filled with less issues, filled with less problems, filled with less relationship issues, filled with less mistakes or failures or temptations than those who don't follow Jesus. And if you want your life to get better, and if you want your life to be as good as ours, then come to our church. That is not what being different from the world means. No, that's not what Jesus meant at all. And so today I want to talk to you about what Jesus actually meant when he called you and I to be different from the world. Now, 
Christmas and New Year's for me every year is busy, busy, busy. Man, it's a rat race. It's almost so busy that I just cannot wait sometimes for it to be over. We have family events. We have Christmas events. We have church events. We have community events. We have all kinds of things. And so most of the time, Christmas night, usually we all get home around 8 o'clock, and I usually just sort of think to myself, man, I'm glad all of these events are over. And then I usually start thinking about how many people that our church has helped through the holiday seasons, and it starts to encourage my heart again. And it just makes me realize that in the center of exhaustion and peace, you can see what God is doing. And we really have an amazing church because our church always steps up during this time to help people. And honestly, we didn't start the Water's Edge over, oh man, 13 or so years ago, 14 or so years ago, to prove a point because the world was evil and we had the best church. We wanted to have a safe place for you and I to hide away from the world. No, we started the Water's Edge to help people and to love people and to serve people and to welcome people and to accept people and to reach out to people. And that's something that we're always going to do. But when Jesus said that we're in this world, but we don't belong to this world, what in the world does that mean? Now, let's notice another very familiar verse. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, deny your own life, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says right here, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, then you have to deny yourself, deny your life, take up the cross that you're carrying and follow Jesus. Now, this is how I was taught to understand this verse, that everything about me pre-Jesus, everything about me without Jesus was bad and dark and wicked and evil and broken. And so if I really wanted to follow Jesus, then I needed to deny everything about myself and follow him so that the world would see how different I am. But to be honest with you, I don't think that that's true. I don't think that that's what Jesus meant in that verse, and I'll tell you why. Because this is what I've learned about myself, and this is what I've learned about God. There's a very beautiful side to you and to me. There's a very beautiful side to your life and to my life, and then there's a darker side to your life and to my life. There are certain parts of my life, certain parts of myself, that God wants me to embrace because God made me me and it makes me who I am. And these parts of me have always been a part of me, and they've always been a part of me that God wanted me to embrace. There's the romantic part of me that's not bad at all. There's the intimate part of me. There's the poetic part of me. There's the creative part of me. There's the determined part of me. There's the radical part of me. There's the emotional part of me. There's the compassionate part of me. There's the part of me that's shy. And Jesus does not want me to deny these parts of me because this is what makes me me, and God made me to be me. But then there's a darker, uglier side to you and to me. There's the bitter side of me. There's the revengeful side of me. There's the selfish and the prideful side of me. There's the lazy and the, the negative and the impatient side of me. So when Jesus says to deny yourself, this is the part of yourself that he's talking about that we should deny. And the reason why is because this is the part of me that can create pain in this world. If it's true, for God so loved the world, and I'm his child, then as I go out into the world, my life should bring healing to the world and not pain to the world. And there's a part of me that can bring love and healing to the world, but there's also a part of you and me that can bring pain to this world. This is a part of yourself that Jesus was talking about. And the reason why is because this is a part of me that can create pain, especially for other people. So notice this, remember this today. 
It's difficult for this world to find our faith compelling if our life is causing other people pain. So not every part of you needs to be denied, but on the flip side of that, not every part of you needs to be justified or embraced either. So the question is, again, what should make our life compelling in this world? What, as Christians, should cause this world to see you and I as different and strange and peculiar? Well, let's make this simple. Something, someone is considered different or peculiar when they, and notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. Someone is considered peculiar when they do something or they act and react in such a way that's completely unexpected. When Jesus was dying on the cross, this is what was so peculiar about that. As he was nailed to wood after being brutally tortured and beaten, the first thing out of his mouth was unexpected. Father, forgive the people that have hurt me. They don't know what they're doing. What would have been expected was get them. Revenge, anger, they hurt me. But someone considers someone else different and peculiar when you react in a way that they wouldn't react. And Jesus reacted in a way that was very, very unexpected. He reacted with forgiveness. Very, very different. When people hurt you, you're expected to hurt them back. Fight back. Get angry. Get bitter. Get revenge. Lose your cool. But notice what Jesus says to do instead. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The prayer of Jesus, the very people that brutalized him, the prayer of Jesus was so different and strange and unexpected that it caused people to have curiosity about who God was. It's a shocking and compelling act of love when you offer forgiveness to people who probably don't deserve it. Now let's bring this back to real life for just a few moments. Sometimes people hurt us, and sometimes you and I can hurt other people, and sometimes people can hurt us over and over and over again, and sometimes we can hurt other people over and over and over again. And when this happens, the last thing any of us want to think about is forgiveness, and if we're reacting in a way that's unexpected or that brings glory to God. And some of that is because we have a big misunderstanding, most of us, of what forgiveness actually is. So understanding that forgiveness is not forgetting about the pain, letting people close to your life again. Really, in the Bible, forgiveness was just an act of not getting revenge. And fighting this can be so complex and so exhausting and so difficult, but it is what God calls us to do. And it requires us to deny ourselves because everything in ourself and our ego wants to get people back. It's one of the many things that makes you and I different is our ability to forgive when the rest of the world says you should not forgive. That's peculiar. That creates curiosity. And so notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. The unexpected act of forgiveness is always driven by love. We love God, and so we forgive. We love other people, and so we forgive. Forgiveness is always driven by love. We love God. We love people. This is who we are. Anger, bitterness, hatred, lashing out, unforgiveness. It's all very exhausting and it destroys who you really are. But here's the reality of it all. You and I lash out. We get mad. We hold grudges. We try to get revenge. Like we've never done anything wrong to other people. Like we've never caused other people to be embarrassed. Like we've never offended other people. Like we've never hurt other people. Like we've never betrayed other people. Like we've never crushed other people's self-esteems and dreams. We've all done that to other people. 
Forgiveness keeps your heart honest. Forgiving other people, showing other people grace when they've hurt you is the best indicator that you understand and see your own imperfections. People that are not quick to forgive have a lot of pride and a lot of ego and not much self-awareness. When you're quick to forgive, it's because you're quick to see your own mess and your own imperfections. Let me put it this way and remember this today. I need to show kindness and forgive others because I will always need other people to forgive me of something that I've done. Something that we all need to understand today is that we have all messed up. So very quickly, let me point out a few observations that relate to forgiveness in our life and how the world views our faith. The first thing is this. Number one, our faith will never be compelling to this world if we're slow to forgive others. When we're quick to get angry, when we're quick to get revenge, when we're quick to get people back and slow to forgive and slow to let it go, there's nothing compelling about that at all. Nothing compelling about people who hold grudges. Nothing compelling about bitter people. In fact, there's some very uncompelling things about people who hold grudges and are slow to forgive. But when someone is quick to forgive and it's unexpected, that's always going to cause people to view you in a way that's different from this world. The second thing is this. Our faith will never be compelling if we expect God and others to treat us differently than how we treat other people. There's nothing compelling by living by a different standard that you hold other people to. Our faith becomes extremely shallow when we want and expect God to give us grace when we need it and hope when we need it and a second chance when we need it and patience when we need it, but we're very slow to give that to other people. There's nothing compelling about someone who says, I love Jesus and I'm glad Jesus forgave me and I'm glad Jesus washed away my sins and I need Jesus to walk with me and forgive me every day, but you hurt me and so I'm gonna hold on to it for a while. There's nothing compelling about that. That's what everyone else in the world does. That's not what people who follow Jesus and deny themselves do. Number three, our faith will never be compelling as long as we hold others to standards that we don't hold ourselves to. This world can see right through that. It's when you get upset with people for doing the same things that you do. It's when you criticize people for doing the same things that you do. It's when you ridicule people and judge people and ruin people's reputation for doing the same thing that you do. It's when you talk negatively about other people for doing the same things that you do. There's nothing compelling about that when we do it. No one finds our faith curious when we do that. When you and I harbor and hold on to anger and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness for doing the same things that other people have done, what's holy about that? Nothing. What's loving about that? Nothing. What's unexpected about that? Nothing. And if you want your faith to be compelling, you have to be ready to do the unexpected. My life will never get this world's attention unless it's compelling, and unforgiveness will never be compelling. Let me say that again. My life will never get this world's attention unless it's compelling, and unforgiveness is never compelling. And so we follow the example of Jesus and offer real, radical, undeserved forgiveness. And one of the reasons is because of this. Life is short. And we all know over the past couple of years that people who are close to us can be here today and gone the next day. We're wasting time holding on to our grudges. We're wasting time holding on to our bitterness and our hurts and our unforgiveness. It's just not compelling. 
a few Christmases ago, it wasn't too long ago, maybe three, three years ago, when everything was finished, all the Christmas events were over, we had a big community Christmas dinner that night, my family and I had just gotten home, it was late, probably 11 o'clock at night, and my older brother calls me, and he's weeping, and he can hardly talk, but he's trying to tell me that my older cousin, whom we all dearly loved, his name was Scott, we were closer to him than brothers, had passed away on Christmas night. Young man, he had some struggles in his life. We all loved him dearly. And he passed away on Christmas night. This could happen at any time with people who are close to you. So what are we holding on to? What are we doing? We're wasting time holding on to our pride and our ego and our unforgiveness. If we want this world to pay attention, we have to do what's unexpected. And love and forgiveness is always unexpected. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. We love you. We hope you have a great, great new year. And uh, we hope to see you back next Sunday.